Today on the Matt Wall Show, teachers in Philadelphia were encouraged to attend an outrageously graphic and perverse sex workshop. You have to hear some of these details to believe them. Also, Congress held the first public hearings on UFOs in over 50 years yesterday, but much to my great shock, dismay, and despair, nobody seems to care, you jerks. Plus, we analyzed the election results from last night to see what we can learn from them. And Marvel announces its new feminist female Hulk. Plus, in our daily cancellation, a sports writer complains that black athletes are the victims of white supremacy because white fans pay money to watch them play. We'll try to make sense of that, though it's impossible. And so much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Well, I don't have to tell you that uh, gas prices are insanely high right now, and I think the latest is that they're officially over $4 a gallon in every single state in the country, and uh, in many places, they're quite a bit more. You're looking at quite a bit more than $4 a gallon. Well, here's the good news. Um, there is an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, especially now. It's called Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. Just download the free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Walsh for 25% or rather 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up, and that's all that you get cash back. It's that simple. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code Walsh for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. And it's not just for gas. Uh, you can earn cash back at grocery stores, restaurants, and with takeout too. You can uh, cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. All you gotta do is download the free Upside app and use promo code Walsh to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. You, you gotta do this. We're all looking to save money, especially on gas. So do it right now. Just use my promo code Walsh now. That's code Walsh at the Upside app. We know that many teachers in this country are groomers, but the question about groomers uh, that isn't asked often enough is who grooms the groomers? In order for teachers to groom children effectively, they must first themselves be groomed. And this means that those of us who wish to uncover, expose, and put an end to the grooming epidemic in public schools have to dig a little bit deeper to answer this question. See where it starts. Because if we simply call out the predator teachers, then we're just pruning the branches of this giant, hideous tree. We're not getting to the roots. That's what brings us to the latest expose from journalist Chris Ruffo, who alerts us to a recent conference advertised to and attended by teachers in the Philadelphia School District. The conference, as Ruffo reveals, covers such topics as kink, BDSM, trans sex, and, quote, banging beyond binaries. Oh, and the conference was open to children as well. Rufo reports, quote, In early July 2021, the District Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion sent invitations to the Philadelphia Trans Wellness Conference to teachers and staff on the SDB, SDP Connect mailing list, promoting the conference as a way to, quote, learn more about the issues facing the trans community. The conference was organized by the Mazzoni Center, an LGBTQ activist organization that has worked with the district on sexual education programs. When reached for comment, the School District of Philadelphia described its promotion of the conference as part of its commitment to creating equitable and inclusive environments and said that it did not have any information on the number of teachers who attended the event. Sure they didn't. Now we have some video from this conference that we're going to play for you. Um, much of it cannot be played because it's so relentlessly graphic that I'd have to bleep pretty much the whole clip. But before we play them, you need to realize that this nonprofit, the Mazzoni Center, um, it is, uh, it's influential, well-funded, entirely within the mainstream of the modern left. And speaking of its funding, last year it received $5 million in government contracts. That is, according to its own financial disclosures, 
by far and away its greatest single source of income. It only made about two to three hundred thousand dollars in donations, another hundred fifty grand in grants, and then two million from the Paycheck Protection Program. So this is an organization propped up and funded by the government and used to indoctrinate government employees who then turn around and indoctrinate our children. And also, as reference, the Mazzoni Center, uh, they create sex education programs which are then used in schools. So what are they all about? I mean, what do, what do they teach? For that, we turn to some of this footage, which is, I warn you, extremely disturbing and gross, but also important that we see some of this. And we start with a, a seminar with a trans activist talking about prosthetic penises and, quote, masturbation sleeves. Let's watch. The purpose of this workshop is to showcase different types of prosthetics available for sex. Almost every single one that I will be showing you, all of them actually, look like penises. I have tried and touched many all right? Prosthetics, real all This is one of the most realistic feeling in terms of like the inside of a penis, all right? Now, a pack and play is going to be a prosthetic that you can use for sex, but you can also pack with it when you're not having sex. You're just walking around, it's your everyday packer that you just wear in your pants, and then when you're ready to get in the mood, you're boy yo yo and you can go and have sex. But here, that it's a big boy. This is like gigantic, all right? Give me, give me two hours alone and I'll get this in my butt, you know? <laughs> That's a government-funded workshop for teachers. A government-funded workshop for teachers. Now, why would teachers need to know about dildos and prosthetic penises in order to do their job teaching children? The groomer claim is a homophobic conspiracy theory, we're told. If that's the case, then why is the Philadelphia School District suggesting that its teachers attend a deviant sex workshop? There's a whole grooming thing. It's not happening. This is, everything you're seeing right here, none of this is happening. It's not actually happening. It's just, it's just your imagination. Another class was titled Trans Sex Banging Beyond Binaries. And um, here's how the host and leader of that session introduced, I think it's herself. Impossible to tell anymore, but introduced herself. And I'm also um, a pretty big s- <laughs> I'm a, and I and I, I wear that title pretty proudly, um, and I, I self-identify as kinky and polyamorous, and um, and I also call myself an originizer because in my free time outside of my day job, I like to get people together to explore their fantasies and um, their perversions in group. Hi, I'm Lucy Fielding, and uh, my pronouns are she, they. Please mix them with reckless abandon. Um, I am a a resident in counseling in practicing in Charlottesville, Virginia. I am also a sex educator, and um, I'm a white, queer, kinky, polyamorous, um, visibly able-bodied, Jewish, witchy, um, non-binary trans femme. Now, it's difficult to select just one thing for this distinction, but perhaps the most disturbing part of that clip is that the self-described white, queer, kinky, polyamorous, visibly able-bodied 
because that needs to be added now to your list of identities. Jewish, witchy, non-binary, trans femme is a counselor. And that's not a quirk or a coincidence, by the way. The counseling industry seeks these types out, which is why the entire field must be, I'm afraid to say, distrusted and discounted. By the way, um, later in this same session, they shared some thoughts about more inclusive terms for body parts that the teachers could learn and, of course, bring into their classrooms. So let's, uh, let's hear some of those suggestions. So this is how the game's going to work, is that we're going to drop into the chat different words that we like to hear for bodies um, that are not gendered, that are like completely just fun names for people's bodies. Like a great one, just as an example, just to get it going, and then you all can jump into the chat is, um, I like people to use the word goodies. Can I touch your goodies? <laughs> Can I feel your goodies? <laughs> Thank you to Sierra. That, that was uh, introduced to me back in middle school. <laughs> yeah, chest and front and back hole are great too. Front and back hole. Um, quite a romantic way to speak. I'm sure that'll get people in the mood. And there's much more footage along these lines and worse. As Rufo reports, the conference began with pr presentations promoting puberty blockers, hormone treatments, breast removals, and genital surgeries. In one session, which was titled The Adolescent Pathway Preparing Young People for Gender-Affirming Care by Dr. Scott Mosser, the principal at the Gender Confirmation Center in San Francisco, explained that he has performed over 2,000 top surgeries, which, which involve removing girls' breasts that there's no age limit for beginning the gender journey. Quote, I do not have a minimum age of any sort in my practice, he said, explaining that he would be willing to consult with children as young as 10 years old with parental consent. In another session open to children, uh, gender-affirming masculine and feminizing hormones for adolescents and adults, Dane Menken, Divisional Director of LGBTQ Services at Mainline Health, endorsed treatments ranging from puberty-blocking hormones to manual breast-binding for masculinizing adolescent girls. He said, quote, I'm a strong proponent that you can bind for as many hours a day as you can tolerate binding. Now, all of this is horrifying, of course, especially 10-year-old uh, girls. At his practice where he chops breasts off of girls, he, he, would, he would accept a... a a, quote, patient as young as 10. Now, all of this, of course, would have been considered far, far left, obscure, crazy, fringe stuff only just a decade ago or less. Now it's being taught to teachers in Philadelphia at government-funded workshops. And everything said by these people is obviously disturbing, disgusting, and morally debased, but I would like to focus on just, on just one statement made in the first clip that we played. The woman, as you recall, embraces the term perversion. Okay, that's the term she uses. She openly says that she encourages people to explore their, quote, perversions. Now, that's a very important choice of words because the word perversion literally means corruption. That's what the word means. When something is perverted, it is, by definition, being taken off of its original course. It's being distorted or corrupted, taken away from what was first intended for it. This is the dictionary definition of the term perversion. 
And that's what this is all about. That's what this conference is intended to do, corrupt the teacher so that they may corrupt the students. When we talk about children being groomed, what we actually mean is that they're being corrupted. This is, in fact, the left's entire sexual agenda in a nutshell, so to speak. And because it's their entire sexual agenda, it's also their entire agenda, period. Their whole, their whole worldview revolves around sex. They see nothing but sex. Everything comes back to sex. There's no removing sex from education as far as they're concerned because they cannot remove sex from anything. That's why when you say this, well, why, why can't you just educate the kids without all this sex stuff? It, it, it doesn't even compute. They cannot perceive um, anything outside of sex. Everything comes back to that for them. These are the ideological progeny of Alfred Kinsey, after all, and he was a psychotic deviant who said that everyone else was a psychotic deviant just like him, and he believed that everyone was sexual from birth and that everything was sexual and that there was no way to separate sex from anything. His disciples believed the same. But their sexual agenda, just like their agenda in every other area of life, it doesn't seek to, to build or, or create anything new. It, it doesn't even, we talk about how they want to normalize this or that. And that's, I, I think that's not exactly the right word. Because they actually want a world where nothing is normal. There, there is just, the, the concept of normalcy doesn't exist. What leftism seeks to do is destroy, simply. And leave the ruins to, to sit there and decay. And it does this in a very literal sense to human bodies. It chops the breasts off of girls and leaves them to live with the scars, mutilated and broken. How will this help them? How will it make them happier? What are they supposed to do now? I mean, you chop their breasts off. You take a 10-year-old girl and mutilate her. What's she supposed to do now? Well, nothing. doesn't matter to the left. All they want is to, to take everything that is whole and true and natural and normal and just blow it to smithereens. It is a movement of destruction, especially sexual destruction. So yeah, they want to groom your kids, but they're grooming them for annihilation. Let's get to our five headlines. You know what you need as we uh, head into the summer? You, you don't need a, a swimsuit, no, you know, especially because it's, it's, that's, a, that's a waste of time. What you need are new burgers. I'm talking about American Wagyu burgers from Good Ranchers, the best burgers you'll ever try. You get two pounds of your new favorite burger for free with my code Walsh. What is American Wagyu, which I think I'm pronouncing correctly? It's some of the best beef you'll ever try. It's as simple as that. Good Ranchers American Wagyu is raised here in the States and produces the rich and buttery Wagyu texture that people crave. Their American Wagyu burgers take everything to a whole new level of delicious, and uh, they're just extremely good. You don't, have, you don't have to just use them for burgers. This ground American Wagyu is versatile and elevates any meal to a whole new level. You could use them to make uh, tacos, stir fry. You could, and I have used them for this, by the way, um, to make uh, meatballs as well. I use Good Ranchers, Wagyu burgers, and my famous chili as well, for instance. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out on our two pounds of free American Wagyu. Place your order today. Remember to subscribe and save $25 on every box of 100% American meat from Good Ranchers. Two pounds of free Wagyu burgers and zero inflation. What are you waiting for? Use my code Walsh or visit GoodRanchers.com Walsh. If you don't buy the meat in your house, 
then tell the uh, person who does to grab your two pounds of free American Wagyu burgers today before they're gone. That's promo code Walsh at goodranchers.com slash Walsh. I'm going to start with this headline, and I have to tell you, I am, uh, I'm upset, okay? I, and I admit that. Well, you know what? I'm not upset. I'm disappointed. I am disappointed. I'm disappointed in all of you. Not the sweet baby gang, because I know that you're with me on this. You must be to be in the cult. But everybody else, the rest of you, I'm disappointed. Because there was a congressional hearing on UFOs yesterday, televised. Okay, first time in like 50 years. It's a televised hearing on UFOs. And nobody cared. Like I, I, I went on Twitter because I, I, I knew they were, they were kind of, I was doing the show and they were doing the hearing and I was like, afterwards I was, I was going to go on, I was excited to go on social media. I thought everyone would be talking about UFOs. No one's talking about it. Nobody cares. They're showing videos of UFOs. A government officials at, at a congressional hearing on TV saying, here's some UFOs we found. Look at that. And everyone just is like yawning. You know, it's just UFOs. They said they're investigating 400 UFO sightings. They've only explained one of them. That's 399 unexplained UFOs. Nobody cares. You know what you guys are all talking about? You're talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard instead. Okay? They're, we're in the middle of an alien invasion here, and everyone's like, yeah, but you ever heard about the latest with the Amber Heard trial? The aliens could actually land here on Earth and get out of their spaceships. And we would still be talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Maybe we would, we would ask them when they get, did you guys, have you guys heard about the Johnny Depp thing? What, what's your take on that? So, but no, you'll talk about those mutant freaks, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. What about the mutant freaks who are flying in spaceships in the sky? It's just highly disappointing. Literally, the government's admitting that we're being invaded by aliens. Maybe not literally. Okay, that's how I choose to interpret it, living my truth. But they are, but it is pretty extraordinary. It doesn't happen every day. I mean, we went my, almost my entire adult life. It's like nobody in the government would talk about the UFO thing. So there'd be no discussion about it at all. And now they're out in the open talking about it. And nobody cares. There was a little bit of media coverage on it. So I want to play uh, whether you care about this or not you're still going to be subjected to it. So here's the, uh, the ABC report. It gives us a good little summary of this incredible hearing, which is major news, whether people realize it or not. Let's watch this. It was moments like these challenging the limits of physics that raised potential security risks that were too big to ignore. Oh my gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. The military releasing this 2015 video two years ago showing naval pilots off the coast of California completely stunned. We were seeing them nearly every day that we were flying. Today, for the first time since the 1960s, members of the House Intelligence Subcommittee and top Pentagon officials discussing the topic of UFOs, now referred to as UAPs or Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. We are committed 
to a focused effort to determine their origins. In 2004, the Pentagon acknowledged tracking more than 140 reports of UAPs. But today, Deputy Director for Naval Intelligence Scott Bray says efforts to encourage pilots to report mysterious encounters has swelled the number they're investigating to approximately 400. Last year, a government report found a definitive explanation for only one of the encounters. Bray says one video was a distortion stemming from light passing through night vision goggles. As for a second video showing a shiny spherical object... I do not have an explanation for what this, this specific uh, uh, object is. Bray confirmed that the military has never fired missiles at a UFO or recovered any non-terrestrial wreckage. Still, the Pentagon says it's determined to remove the stigma associated with reporting sightings. The inability to understand objects in our sensitive operating areas is tantamount to an intelligence failure. Unidentified aerial phenomena are a potential national security threat. Fascinating. It is fascinating, and you should be fascinated by it, and I'll yell at you until you agree with me that this is interesting. This is the, you know, all the uh, sci-fi films and, and books and everything through all through the years, th this is what they all got wrong. Like predicting what would happen if aliens, if if the existence of aliens was ever confirmed, if aliens ever came here, and uh, you know, usually it's like apocalyptic. There's panic, people running in the streets. I mean, all kinds of different different things. What what none of the sci-fi writers bargained for is that uh, the reaction would be just like a, a shrug. Nobody would care. So it's like you watch Independence Day and the giant UFO spaceship is hovering over the entire, the, the, you know, entire cities. And of course, in that film, people are looking up, they're shocked, they're, you know, they're getting out of their cars on the highway and looking. What nobody realized is that in reality, people would just go about their days. You know what? You, people would be more interested if rather than information about actual UFOs, there was a movie about it. Like, if yesterday instead they had just announced that there's a new Star Wars film, that would interest people a lot more. People are more interested in, in fake stories about aliens than in the reality of them. Blows my mind. How does this not interest you? There's, it's a, there's a whole universe out there. Could be other... Billions of other intelligent civilizations. Who knows if they've come here? Maybe they have. They're trying to make contact with us, and we don't care because we're talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I saw a lot of takes like this yesterday from Jim Jordan. Uh, he says, $5 gas, no baby formula, record crime, record inflation, border crisis. And what's Congress doing today? Holding a hearing on UFOs. Well, Yeah. It's like the one worthwhile thing Congress has done in years. It's certainly the one interesting thing. It's the this is the only interesting thing that has happened in Washington, D.C. in decades. I'm disappointed. All right, let's uh, go to less interesting political news. This is from The Daily Wire. It says, Representative Madison Cawthorn conceded his bid for re-election on Tuesday, losing the Republican primary to GOP state senator Chuck Edwards, Cawthorn's campaign was uh, buffeted in recent weeks by a number of leaks about his personal behavior prior to holding office, including the leak of a nude video. Cawthorn called Edwards to concede defeat late Tuesday after results showed him trailing by about two points with almost all precincts reporting. Now, um, 
Madison Cawthorn obviously had all the name recognition. He had the Trump endorsement. Um, I believe he did. Yeah, he had the Trump endorsement. He had a lot more money. His fundraising efforts were going. He's raising a whole lot more money than his competitor. And he still ends up losing because in the last few weeks, there was this full-on assault. And not just from the left, but from the right, from the Republican Party, to destroy this guy and, and kick him out of office. And they succeeded. And I'm not the first person to draw this connection where it's a very, it's kind of an interesting thing that all of this started for Madison Cawthorn. All of it started almost immediately after he was, we played the clip on this show several weeks ago when he was on a podcast and he made the claim that uh, some people in Congress engage in drug-fueled orgies, you know. And we played that clip and I laughed about it a little bit just because the way he phrased it, he said that he had been invited to, I don't remember the exact phrasing. I think he said to, that he'd been invited to sexual get-togethers. And I just thought, you know, I, I don't know what someone says when they're inviting you to a drug-fueled orgy because I've never been invited to one, but I assume that's probably not what they say. So you can kind of laugh about that. But the claim that some people in Washington are involved in activity like this, well, like, clearly that, that does happen. So that's actually not shocking at all. But as soon as he said this, that's when it all went to hell for him. Which would seem to maybe confirm the claims that he was making because otherwise, and this is something, it, 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 again, from the Republican Party trying to destroy him. And there are other Republicans in the party that the establishment doesn't like. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, you know, those, those kinds. And they're all kind of ideologically in the same camp with Madison Cawthorn. And yeah, they don't like Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're not doing anything like this to her, though. Not anywhere to this extent. Where with Madison Cawthorn, they, they tried to and succeeded in completely ripping him apart and destroying him. And if the, the claim that he made about the drug-fueled orgies, if it was completely off the wall, ridiculous, doesn't happen, then you'd think they would just laugh it off and ignore it. It's not like he named names. He didn't say anybody. And so if it's totally ridiculous and it doesn't happen, then why wouldn't they just say, oh, that's, that's, that's dumb. That's, that's, that's stupid. That's, and laugh about it because it's, it's ridiculous. Well, it, it, it would seem like um, he was talking about things they didn't want him to talk about. I don't think you have to be a conspiracy theorist to uh, come to that conclusion. Or maybe it is a maybe it is a theory of uh, of of uh, about something of a conspiracy, and and that's you know that's fine because actually in real life there are conspiracies that that do in fact happen. People can conspire to do things, and there's no question at all that there were people conspiring to get rid of Madison Cawthorn. The question is why? Why all of a sudden did they have to get rid of him, and why did they go about it with this kind of ruthlessness and intensity that they've never applied to anyone else, even people similar to him ideologically? Also from the Daily Wire, it says the Republican primary race for Pennsylvania's open U.S. Senate seat was too close to call as of early Wednesday morning. Uh, television host Dr. Mehmet Oz and former Treasury Department official David McCormick had each secured slightly above 31% of the Republican electorate with over 95% of the votes tally. Conservative commentator Kathy Barnett had earned slightly below 25%. So she's, she's out. And now it's between McCormick and Oz. And uh, there's going to be a recount because it was 
within the margin that automatically triggers the recount. You know, what I'll say is, um, first of all, it's it's quite clear, given how close this is, that if Oz did not get the Trump endorsement, you know, he would lose. I mean, I think the Trump endorsement, we could we could agree, is worth at least 0.5% in, 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 the, in the polls, probably a lot more than that. So if Trump had not endorsed Oz, he would not be winning right now or would not be in a, be in a position to potentially win right now. And it wasn't just uh, Trump that endorsed him. Sean Hannity. We had a lot of uh, high-profile Republicans coming out for him in a big way. And also giving Kathy Barnett a little bit of the Madison Cawthorn treatment. Trying to completely destroy her. Which again, politically, they succeeded in that too. But meanwhile, Dr. Oz, I must repeatedly remind you, is a pro-abortion, gun-grabbing, BLM-supporting leftist who also happens to be um, a, a Turkish dual citizen running for Senate in Pennsylvania, but he doesn't live there. And he supports uh, transgender surgeries for minors. Doesn't just support it, but was one of the, one of the earliest promoters of this kind of thing. He was promoting it back in 2011. And this is the guy that we're going to end up with? I'll tell you this. If I lived in Pennsylvania still, and it was Dr. Oz versus a Democrat, I would not vote. Because what's the difference? You explain to me the difference ideologically between Dr. Oz and a Democrat. They hold precisely identical views on every important topic. Now it's just a question of, do we want to reward guys like Dr. Oz by voting for him? The people who endorsed him and put him in this position, do we want to reward them by voting for him? Well, I'm not in Pennsylvania, so I have no say over that. But if I was in Pennsylvania, i tell you right now, I certainly wouldn't vote for a Democrat. I would never vote for a Democrat, but I'm not voting at all because there's no option. It's two Democrats. It is two far-left Democrats. This is not even a lesser of two evils thing. I don't think there's any way really to distinguish between them. If anything, I mean, you could you could make the argument, and it wouldn't be that far-fetched, that the Republican in this race now, if it is Dr. Oz, will be farther to the left than the Democrat. The, the Democrat candidate, was he pushing transgender surgeries back 10 years ago? Probably not. So you could very easily argue that Dr. Oz is farther to the left than the Democrat he's running against. Great endorsements. Um, Tom Elliott at Grabian Media has a great supercut for us. You know, we've been, uh, of course, ensured that the claim that the white demographic is shrinking and being replaced by other demographics is a racist conspiracy theory. So let's see who exactly is spreading that theory. Let's play a little bit of this uh, in a few years, we're going to be a majority brown country. White people will not be the majority in the country anymore. This will be the first generation ever in American history uh, in which whites will be a minority of the generation at some point. As of 2007, every year, babies being born in this country, whites now are the minority. In 2044, 
uh, everyone is going to be a minority. As the demographics change, as white people become the minority in the country, which is coming. Demographics is destiny. Demographics is destiny. Demographics is destiny, right? The country is changing. I've been saying it here. Other people have been saying it here for years now, even before Donald Trump. The demographics is destiny. The white population is declining for the first time in history in America, while the number of multiracial Americans have more than doubled. So we live in a country where the demographics are changing. It's becoming less white. Uh, correct. Okay. You'll be announcing that we're calling the 38 electoral votes of Texas for the Democratic nominee for president. It's changing. It's going to become a purple state and then a blue state because of the demographics, because of the population growth. The growth in Texas has been almost entirely driven by non-white population growth, mostly by Hispanic and Latino population growth. The idea that, um, you know, whites will, will not be the majority, I mean, that's, it's an exciting transformation of the country. It's an exciting evolution uh, and, you know, progress of our country in many different ways. The white population is declining. It, it was always on the upswing. So that speaks to the beautiful diversity of America. Hmm. Uh, the white dem- the white demographic is declining. We heard from, of course, there's nothing but Democrats and leftist media saying that white demographic is declining, and that's exciting and beautiful. They say. Which, by the way, if you want to try to make excuses for this and say, "Oh no, well they're just celebrating diversity or whatever," um, no, th- what what they are specifically, it's one thing if they're saying, "Well, there are." Um, there are there's a, a there are more black people. There are more Hispanics. That's not even what they're saying. They are specifically celebrating the decline in a certain racial demographic. That's what they're happy about. So it's clear that the white demographic is indeed declining. That's just those those. That's just what the data says. Everyone agrees there. The two remaining questions are whether the left is happy about it. And whether they're facilitating this shift, you know, doing it intentionally. Well, are they happy about it? We just heard there. It's exciting. It's beautiful. We played some clips yesterday on the show. So no question about that. Of course, they're happy about it. They're happy about it for a lot of reasons. And one of them, as we heard in the clips, is that it helps them politically. As the demographics shift, it turns red states purple and then, and then uh, blue. And then the next question is whether they're facilitate. Are they trying intentionally to facilitate this demographic change? Given that we know the demographic change is happening, they say it themselves. We just played the clips. We know they're happy about it. Again, they say it themselves. We just played the clips. Are they facilitating it? Are they, are they trying to bring about this result or help it along in some way? Well, um, when you throw open... The borders, actually, throw, there's nothing to throw open because in most of these places, there's nothing, you know, there, there's no door to throw open. But when, so when you just invite an unchecked flood of illegals into the country, I, I would say you're facilitating it. And you're doing it because you know it will help you politically. They, they want to turn Texas purple and then blue. And how do you do that? You bring in a lot of illegals. And it's not just illegal immigration either. They're also increasingly excluding uh, whites from institutions. You've got affirmative action policies in place, which specifically state 
Okay, we need to have fewer white people accepted. Uh, we, we, want to, we want to minimize the number of white people in this institution or in positions of power. These are actual policies they have in place. So everything, you, you can put whatever label you want on uh, what we're talking about here. But one thing you can't call it is a theory. It's not a theory. It is happening. And if you listen to it to them, they'll openly admit it. All right. One other thing I want to play for you, a little bit of a lighter note. Uh, media is very excited. The entertainment media are very excited today because it's, it's been announced. There's a, Marvel has a new show coming out, uh, She-Hulk. And so this is kind of like the f- a feminist female Hulk. And it's getting rave reactions in the media. The trailer just came out. I want to play a little bit of the trailer. By the way, this is real. This is not like a parody or something. This is not a Babylon Bee thing. This is an actual show that they're putting together. They're going to put out there. She-Hulk. Let's, uh, let's watch a little bit of this. I just want to be a normal, anonymous lawyer. Can you tell us where She-Hulk is? Jen, you're a story now. Girl, your ass looks crazy right now. You could be an Avenger. Oh, I'm not a superhero. That is for billionaires and narcissists and adult orphans for some reason. Is there anything more depressing than dating in your 30s? Yeah, this is the best date I've had in a while. Oh. Should we split some fries? Let's get those to go. If you have not seen the movie Idiocracy, uh, you really should see it. It's the most prophetic film possibly in, in the history of cinema. And we are living. That, that, every, that, that right there is like a fake. It's like a, a fake film that you would see in the film Idiocracy. That's what that is. And, and, but people will watch it. You know, you know something else? I watch these trailers. I don't watch any of the actual uh, shows or, or Marvel movies. Because I'm an adult, number one, uh, and I have self-respect. But when I see the trailers, one of the things that really jumps out at me is, uh, on top of just how stupid it all is, and all the wokeness and everything, now we got the f- a female feminist Hulk who's literally sweeping men off their feet and everything. But also, this, is it just me or has the CGI, the computer graphics, are worse? Like, if, if I didn't know any better and you showed me that trailer and you said that that was a show from 1992, I would believe you based on how it looks. So is this just my imagination or have the special effects somehow gotten worse? In fact, you can, I, I might not believe that it was from the 90s because it doesn't look good enough to be in the 90s. The special effects in the 90s were better. Go back and watch the original Jurassic Park. The special effects of that movie are still kind of stunning because it's better than anything you see in movies today. So that's the one thing, at least. We know that um, that uh, very rarely are, are, are good films made in Hollywood anymore. It's just nothing but garbage. And so you expect that. You expect a lot of, you know, you expect the story to be terrible. Uh, maybe you expect bad acting, bad script writing, and everything else. But the one thing you would expect is that at least the special effects should be really amazing by now. Okay? Because the progress of history, there's, it's, it, it's not going to lead to better storytelling. 
with the trajectory that we're on right now, but it should lead as technology improves. You'd think at least the special effects would get better, and they haven't. And I think part of that is it's just pure laziness on the part of the studios. They realize that they don't need to put any effort really into the special effects because they can just shovel this garbage out and people will eat it. Why put, it does, it takes more time, costs more money to have good special effects. Why bother? They can just put anything out and slap the Marvel label on it and a bunch of morons will just go watch it. It doesn't matter. Put no effort into it whatsoever. Like they're advertising to the audience. We do not care about this. This is stupid. We put no effort into this. Here you go. And the audience goes, oh, gee, I can't wait to watch. Meanwhile, they're ignoring the aliens. So it makes it all the worse. Let's get now to the comment section. Who makes a Twitter mob fly off the handle with rage? Who's to blame? It's a sweet baby gang. Uh, Old School says, The Daily Wire really needs to send Matt Walsh to the, to the White House as a reporter to participate in the daily questions at the press briefings. Well, I would love that, of course, but they have to give you credentials, and there's just no way on God's green earth that they would ever credential me or the Daily Wire. So that's just not ever going to happen. Unknown Sender says, do an episode on the last and the new Doctor Who in the sci-fi series. I'm confused what Doctor Who is. Do you mean to leave this comment on a different show? Do you think I'm going to talk about Doctor Who? Were you were you having a stroke or something when you sent this comment? I don't understand. Um, Talcum says, why does he always say Godspeed at the end? I'm sitting on my ass watching a video, not going anywhere. Are all his viewers supposed to be on the, the start of some kind of journey? I don't get it. Yes, Talcum, every day is a journey. We are all on a journey together in the Sweet Baby Gang. That's why I say it. Um, let's see, Brandon says, it brings joy to my heart that Matt's producers keep putting the word tush in the Rock Auto ads. Yeah, it's devious too because they know that I'm like, I'm Ron, I'm Ron Burgundy on the teleprompter. I'll read whatever they put in there. And so it's, it's really not fair to me. Uh, Bert Mustin says, the Sioux or Lakota are hated by other Indian tribes. In fact, the um, uh, Ojibwa gave their name, gave them their name Sioux, which means little snake. Uh, well, this is, in, in general, you know, there was, of course, warring and feuding and hatred between Indian tribes, which is one of the reasons why even referring to kind of like Native Americans as one homogenous culture lumping them all together just doesn't make a lot of sense. They would not have seen themselves that way. Like, one Indian tribe didn't see itself as being in the same kind of category or some sort of group with other Indian tribes. They were warring with each other and killing each other. They were feuding over land and everything else. Um, Daniel says, Dude, do you purposely say Indians when you should say Native Americans? That's pretty slimy, man. Yes, I purposefully use the words that I use. That's true. And I don't say them accidentally. And you say, I should say Native American? Who says that? I mean, who decided that I should say that? What do you mean I should say? This is the term that I should be using according to who? So I just don't, I don't recognize those rules. I understand that the PC police, every few years they change the the names that you're supposed to use for certain groups. I just don't, I don't recognize that. That's the issue, Daniel. 
I don't recognize their authority. I don't see that they have any authority, so I'll just use whatever words I want to use. Um, and anyway, it's not, it's not any more technically accurate to say Native American instead of Indian. Because, well, after all, they weren't Americans before America existed as a nation. Okay, there were no Americans, as we, as we use the term today, until the United States of America existed as a, as a nation. And so in that sense, it doesn't really, you know, tribes that were there hundreds of years before the settlers even showed up to call them Americans, that's anachronistic also and not exactly accurate. So I'm just going to use, uh, I, I, think the, I think the term Indian is fine. It's what, it's what has been used for, for centuries and everyone knows what I mean when I say it. So it's perfectly fine. And I'll just say it because that's what I feel like saying. But thank you for giving me a chance to clarify. Well, at long last, my sweet, sweet babies, the next installment of my patch program has arrived, which you are welcome to go buy as long as you care enough about aliens, in which case you're not welcome to buy this. But if you do, then it's the He Him Walrux patch, which is here to affirm your identity and help project the warped, self-absorbed version of reality in your mind onto everybody else, which is what it's all about. You could secure your piece of the collection, and you'll also receive a matching digital badge on the Daily Wire platform upon purchase. Remember, these patches are limited editions, so don't miss out on your chance to become one of the chosen few that prove their undying loyalty to the Sweet Baby Gang. Head over to my swag shack, as we call it, at dailywire.com shop today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. It tells you something about the sorry state of sports media <clears throat> that when I read the following headline to you, it will not be immediately obvious which outlet published it. The headline is as follows. White fans were entertained by black athletes a day after a racist killed black people in Buffalo. This is what white supremacy looks like. Now, the problem, of course, is that literally any sports media outlet is capable of inflicting something this outrageously stupid onto the public. ESPN, Sports Illustrated, Fox Sports, I mean, any of them could have done it. Uh, the sports media industry in this country now sits somewhere to the left of Karl Marx, and the average sports analyst sits somewhere below a cantaloupe on the IQ scale. And it's a, quite a potent combination, to be, to be sure. That's especially the case with the author of this piece, Karen Phillips, or Karan Phillips a uh, race-hustling vulture so opportunistic, stupid, and shameless that Al Sharpton reads his stuff and goes, whoa, take it easy, man. That's a little too far. And though this article could have appeared in any sports media outfit, it happens to have been published by Deadspin, a company that I think first got its name by combining the phrases brain dead and political spin, Deadspin. I assume that's the etymology anyway. It's probably not necessary to actually read any of this article, um, kind of like when you walk by a dumpster on a hot day and you smell the putrid garbage festering inside. You don't need to actually peek inside. You kind of get the gist. But we'll peek inside anyway. Um, we know we'll uh, find smoldering trash, but maybe there'll be a few surprises there for us. Let's find out. Phillips writes, quote, Sports only serve as an escape from society if you're white. I have to stop there. Um, and we're only past the first sentence. But what do you mean escape from society? Sports are happening within society. I've never heard anyone say, man, I need to escape society for, for, for a little while, and then they turn on a basketball game. That's the kind of thing you say before you turn your phone off and hike into the woods or something. But we're only uh, one sentence into this thing. We can't pick apart every incoherent statement or else we'll be here all day. So let's continue. A long time ago, in 2020, this country was in the midst of what white America deemed a racial awakening. 
The fact that they called it that was all the proof anyone needed to realize that it was less of an awakening and more of an oxymoron. But yet, here we are, three years post that awakening, and everything is back to business as if Nancy Pelosi taking a knee in kente cloth and all these DEI workshops that were held at your job magically fixed hundreds of years of racism. And if you don't believe me, both of Sunday's Game 7s were proof that the awakening was only a brief moment of pseudo-accountability that has passed. Now, skipping ahead a little bit, Phillips begins to lament that. To him, somehow sports are still not politicized enough. He says, quote, players aren't getting asked how they feel about things outside of 94 feet after games as much. Uh, it's as if basketball or whatever sport they play is all that should matter to them. Sideline reporters aren't asking them about Roe v. Wade or if their loved ones are scared to go to the grocery store like they used to. Wait, I thought men aren't supposed to have opinions about abortion. Now you're mad that NBA players aren't giving their opinions about Roe v. Wade? Oh, right, I forgot. Nothing you people say means anything. There are no consistent principles in your world and everything is relative, which is why when a leftist says that men shouldn't speak about abortion, what they really mean is that men who disagree with them shouldn't speak about abortion. The assumption, probably correct, is that most NBA players would take the pro-baby-killing side of the abortion debate, in which case their voices are welcome in the discussion. Which is not really supposed to be a discussion, but more of a chorus of everybody saying exactly the same thing. But we still haven't gotten to what is ostensibly supposed to be the subject of this article. After rambling a bit more, Phillips finally gets around to mentioning the mass shooting in Buffalo over the weekend. And then he says this. On Sunday, four teams played in two Game 7s. The Milwaukee Bucks and Boston Celtics were up first, followed by the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. Three of the four head coaches are black, along with the overwhelming majority of those teams' rosters. However, in Boston, where one of the games was played, over 52% of the population is white, according to the latest census. And in Phoenix, where the Suns were the host, over 68% of the residents are white. What does this mean? Well, it means absolutely nothing, but go ahead. Um, it means that a day after, the bla after Black America was shaken to its core because we've now realized that a grocery store on our side of town has become the latest place where we can be killed just for existing— Black players from the Celtics, Bucks, Suns, and Mavericks had to play in a win-or-go-home game to advance to the conference finals, despite the feelings that all of us were experiencing. And yet, no one seemed to care or ask them about it. It was clear that basketball mattered, but not black lives or the black psyche so much. Oh, okay, I get it now. Well, not really. But what he's apparently trying to say is that it was dehumanizing to force black athletes to play basketball a day after a mass shooting. Never mind that they were not forced and that they were paid millions of dollars for their troubles and that the thesis here is that it's supposed to be uh, like that white supremacy is, is, is why white people are watching black athletes play sports. A claim he never even attempts to explain or justify and which is ludicrous on its face for about a dozen reasons, not the least of which being the fact that white people pay lots of money for the privilege of watching these black athletes play and those black athletes profit immensely from the exchange and it's an exchange that all parties concerned are voluntarily participating in. Anyway, finally, Phillips wraps things up this way. He says, so many times in just the last few years, there have been nerve-wracking incidents that have left black America even more paranoid than we've always been. And while everybody else gets to move on, we're still left dealing with the trauma, despite how it might not always show out itself on the outside. We never get to fully exhale and let go. Because when you're a black athlete in America, competing at the highest level as a form of entertainment for the rest of the world, all the while knowing that the majority of the people that cheer for you don't think your life matters, maybe the hardest part of the game that you work at that a reporter will never ask about. Wait a second. Wait, let's scroll back down. I don't even understand that last sentence. Wait. Just scroll down a little bit. Okay. Do, the people that cheer for you don't think your life matters. 
maybe the hardest part of the game that you work at that a reporter will never ask about. Okay. So Karan Phillips sees the phantasm of systemic racism everywhere, and yet hasn't noticed that he managed to get a job as a writer when he's barely able to put together intelligible sentences. That kind of like disconfirms the systemic racism theory in and of itself. Also, needless to say, Phillips did not write a similar piece lamenting the fact that white athletes had to play a day at, had to play you know in their sports a day after the Waukesha massacre. Indeed, more white people are killed by black people than the reverse in this country. But this is a fact that doesn't factor into Quran's analysis. No facts factor into his analysis. This article is not so much an analysis as a rambling schizophrenic screed composed by a raging narcissist whose head is so firmly implanted up his own rear end that he manages to see himself and a bunch of millionaire athletes as the victims of a violent crime for which none of them were anywhere within the vicinity. And here's the most crucial point, okay? A white racist killed black people in Buffalo. Everyone, of course, agrees that it was a horrific, evil crime. If I had my way, the culprit would be swiftly and publicly executed. Karan Phillips says he's afraid of something similar happening to him. Can't even go out in public without worrying about it, he says. Well, he should be relieved then to be informed that violent, murderous attacks against black people by white people are thankfully extraordinarily rare. According to FBI statistics, there are about 3,000 white murder victims every year and about 3,000 black murder victims. A little more, a little, the, the white murder victims are, there's a little bit more there, but you know, give or take is around 3,000. These numbers have gone up during the crime surge over the past two years, but I'm talking about the average over the past you know, decade or two. Now, in the case of both the white and black murder victims, the vast majority from both categories are killed by members of their own race. Um, but about five to 600 of the white victims are killed by black people, while about two to 300 of the black victims are killed by whites. Given that there are significantly fewer black people in the country than white, that means that, statistically speaking, a black person is exponentially more likely to kill a white person than the reverse. That's the simple statistical fact of the matter. It cannot be disputed. The data says what the data says. Does this invalidate Karan Phillips' claim that black Americans do or should have some special, unique fear of racially motivated violence? Yes, it does invalidate it. Completely and utterly. But the real point here is not that more black people kill white people than the reverse, because even though that's rare, even though it's true, it's still very rare. The real point is that almost all of the murder is, you know, in-house, racially speaking, which means that if black people on a day-to-day basis are fearful of becoming victims of violence, and in many communities they have certainly have reason to, to be in fear of that, it's not white people who are causing that fear. The fact is that black people are indeed killed every single day in this country while simply living their lives. That is true. Um, It's happening a lot. It's an enormous problem. Enormous. But people like Karan Phillips ignore almost all of that violence. Almost all of it. Say nothing about it ever. Thousands and thousands and thousands of black victims of violence completely ignored. Karan Phillips doesn't care about them. He has nothing to say about them. He waits for the rare murder that serves his political purposes. And there aren't many that serve his purposes. But when they happen, that's when he speaks. And then he pretends to give a damn about 
anyone other than himself. It's a charade. And it's not at all convincing. And that's why he is today canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey there, this is John Bickley, Daily Wire editor-in-chief and co-host of Morning Wire. On today's episode, Democrats push controversial new domestic terrorism laws following the Buffalo mass shooting. The House Intelligence Committee holds a public hearing on UFOs. And a key trial stemming from the Durham investigation begins. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire.